Welcome to Feathers in My Hair, a Teen Mom Deep Dive podcast. I'm your host, Liz Bentley. Hey, hi, how are we? I'm good. I'm good. Not that much is going on in Teen Mom World this week. Just trying to think, you know, Kale still hasn't announced a pregnancy. Do I think Kale's pregnant? I still remain agnostic on this position. I think she could be. I think she could not be. I did watch um, Mackenzie McKee upload <laughs> a YouTube video entitled Divorce! Exclamation point, which really made me laugh. I did watch that, and it was just kind of, you know, what one would expect from Mackenzie McKee talking about divorce. She did say Josh went back to Oklahoma and that the kids are going to go back and forth, which feels really far, especially because they seem to drive. I wonder if they don't live near an airport in Oklahoma, so it's like they just figure they might as well drive. But they, it's a long drive. I, like, does, is she going to send them to stay with Josh? That to me feels like that's probably not going to happen. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I'm like, are they just going to stay with Josh? Is that safe? I feel like they'll probably go back. I feel like Mackenzie will drive back. She'll see her family, the kids will see Josh, and then they'll go back to Florida. I think I read she bought the house they're living in in Florida now, which, like, good for her, I guess. Oh, I also saw that she's literally giving away the tanning studio. (laughs) Oh, gosh. I mean, I guess at a certain point, if you realize, like, you're losing money on it, you can't get anybody to buy your business, it it's better for you in the long run if someone will just take over the lease so that you don't have to keep paying on the lease. But no one ever said Mackenzie McKee was smart. You know, nobody ever said that. But basically in the video, she talks about the fact that Josh has like never really been a good husband to her. She did once again talk about him cheating. And instead of doing her thing like, and I cheated too, she was like, and I wasn't the best wife. Something like that. I was like, huh. Because you know, she used to be like, Josh cheated, but I cheated too, so nobody's allowed to say anything about Josh. But I've noticed she's walked that back. Uh, She also says she's the only person, like, in her entire family to ever get a divorce, and that's always been really hard, which I get. Um, I really get. I just, I worry for Mackenzie. I really worry for her. I obviously think it's good that she's dropping Josh. Thank God. Like, it's been, you know, how old is Gannon? (laughs) It's been 10 years in the making. She also pointed out that she had all her kids before she turned 20. Is that right? That's crazy. I guess so did Liam Esser at this point. That's crazy to me. Look, I think Mackenzie will be fine. Um, I think that once she's really away from Josh, she'll realize like what dead fucking weight he was and that her life is probably going to be almost exactly the same as it was when Josh was there. Uh, because, you know, she's like obsessed with projecting on camera that actually Josh is totally fine. Well, not so much on camera, on social media. On camera, on MTV, she seems fine talking about this. Uh, But, you know, she's obsessed with being like, Josh is actually the best husband and he's the best father and you just don't see it and blah, 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 blah. But I think what we see is probably pretty true. Like, do I think Josh is probably more animated off camera than he is on camera? Sure. Sure. I'll give them that, right? Like, I'll give them that. But do I think that Mackenzie is the sole provider for them, the one that does all of the childcare, 
everything maintaining the house. Like, yeah, I, I think that Mackenzie is already living as a single mother, but with a fucking husband she hates. And so I think once she is really alone for a while, she'll realize what a better situation it is. She did talk about the fact that she was, like, lonely in her marriage. And, I don't know, she seems to be in a better place than she has been. But, like, I won't hold my breath. She said that the divorce is, like, almost final. Like, they actually went through divorce proceedings, which is a first for them, I think. So, you know, God willing, these two will stay apart. (laughs) I'm sure Josh will find some nice girl in Oklahoma. I will be interested to see what kind of guy Mackenzie dates. I'm sure she'll be with, like, some beefhead guy that's really into working out. So good luck, I guess. Good luck to Mackenzie McKee. Um, oh, yeah, you should go to my Patreon if you want to hear more from me. Patreon.com slash Liz Explains. Uh, this week I did an episode on HBO's The Anarchist, which is a docuseries, even though you guys know I don't love docuseries. I think that we need to bring back the 90-minute documentary film. But this one was really silly. It was really funny in a way that I found extremely entertaining. So I did an episode on that. This coming week, I'm going to do Scary Island from Real Housewives of New York, which I couldn't believe that I haven't done before. But I'm excited and looking forward to that. I just got a commission. I'm not totally sure when I'll do it on Buck Wild, uh, MTV's Buck Wild, which I have not rewatched ever. I mean, I was going to say in years, but like, I don't think I ever rewatched Buck Wild. I watched it when it was on TV. I actually preferred Slednecks to Buck Wild, which I've talked about on here many times. I loved Slednecks, which was um, <laughs> Alaska's version of Buck Wild. I just thought the Alaska of it all was super, super fun. But I'm definitely looking forward to revisiting Buck Wild and kind of what MTV was doing when they did this show because it was so clear they were trying to like at least I think I have to go back and check dates but I'm pretty sure this is in like this era of MTV trying to recapture Jersey Shore but like in different populations right so like they did Jersey Shore now let's go to West Virginia and do Buck Wild and then eventually we'll do Slednecks in Alaska basically people just being like crazy and drinking but in uh geography locales that are like foreign to the average viewer I guess so yeah patreon.com slash Liz explains I have 150 plus episodes on there of back catalog that you can dig into oh and sister wives is coming back soon oh my god I cannot wait for sister wives to come back cannot wait to talk about the new sister wives I hope that it's really juicy I mean look Is it going to be amazing? No, no, this is Sister Wives. Of course, it's not going to be amazing. But am I looking forward to seeing the destruction of a family on television? Of course I am. Because you guys know there's nothing I like more than the destruction of a family on TV. So, yeah, join me on Patreon, patreon.com slash Liz Explains. Okay, we are still in season four. Uh, I had some people message me and be like, please don't even cover the new episodes. Stick with the re." the recaps of the old episodes. I'm probably, like, not going to do that. I mean, at least I'm going to start watching the new season. Um, I just think that's, like, what Feathers in My Hair is, right? Like, recapping the new episodes of Teen Mom so that people don't have to watch them and they can just listen to me. I fucking wish I could just listen to somebody on a podcast talk about the new episodes and I didn't have to watch them. But I do know that, like, a lot of people use me for that service, 
And I'm sure some people are bummed I'm not doing Teen Mom Young and Pregnant for that exact reason. And I get that. I just, like, I'm not inspired to talk about them. I am... I don't know. We'll see. Like I said last week, we'll see what the new Teen Mom inspires me. If I am just not feeling it, I may go to, like, an every other week with, like, on and off with the throwbacks. I really like talking about these, but also, like, I do think that Feathers in My Hair serves a purpose when I'm talking about the new episodes, right? Like, and I know, I think a lot of people probably enjoy the throwbacks more, but I do think, like, <laughs> I'm I'm providing a very valuable service for some people and that they do want to keep up with the new episodes of Teen Mom and... There are not that many. I mean, I there's, you know, a couple other podcasts that are talking about them, but this is not a show that ha- it's not a Bravo show, right? So there are not like a hundred different podcasts that are recapping like they are for the Real Housewives. And so I'll probably I'll probably be doing that. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, we are in season four, episodes five and six. These are Okay, this is the episode in which Kale shakes Javi's head, which is tough to watch. It's really tough to watch. Um, The act of it is not so tough to watch, but, like, everything around it is just, I don't want to start there. I want to start, I guess, with Chelsea, because Chelsea is in, like, a really boring place right now. And really, this is, like... (laughs) When Chelsea really starts to get boring because Adam is like really leaving her life. And unfortunately for Chelsea, the only interesting thing about her life on TV has always been Adam. And I know that's fucked up to say. And I know that sucks because Adam is an abuser. Adam is a bad person. Chelsea getting away from him is truly the best thing that she could have ever done in her entire life. Like that was the only decision she could have made to have any sort of a healthy life was to get away from Adam. But when it comes to television, you know, I, I, it's just unfortunately not as entertaining. Although we do hear about Adam's girlfriend in this episode, which I guess is Taylor. So we will be getting like the Taylor drama. Um, I'm really looking forward to once we get to season five, uh, like recapping that recapping that year-long break and like what's going on in everybody's lives because like we're kind of building up for to that right now right like Adam is getting with Taylor uh, Lee is getting married to Jeremy and like they're talking about having another kid etc etc okay so Chelsea still has to be out of her house because the landlord has decided that they want to move back in I do feel for her that fucking sucks like you probably shouldn't sign a lease that says that the landlord can move back in with 30 days notice or however much notice she gets. But I do get that really sucks. I would be flipped the fuck out if I was her. I do not blame her, especially because she moved under pretty traumatic circumstances. Like, I don't I feel bad for her. I do. But there is something about watching Chelsea who has very few problems in her life having a fucking meltdown at, like, the smallest inconvenience and just how pathetic she is in any situation. Like, and 
a part of it is that she's 20, right? But, like, I'm not sure she's any better now, honestly. I've said this a million times. I don't think Chelsea, like, solved a lot of her problems. I think she met Cole, and she got all of her self-esteem from Cole. And she lets Cole take the lead on, like, all of the stuff that her dad used to take the lead on, right? Like, she went from her daddy to her husband, like, very 1970s in that way. Like, going from your father's house to your husband's house type of thing. Basically what my mom did. And it just, I like, I just can't see her. Like, if something came up and they suddenly had to be out of that house, I mean, which obviously wouldn't happen because they own that house, I think that she would probably react the same way to that. I don't think she'd be like, okay, I'm going to stay calm, cool, and collected and figure this out. I think she'd freak out and Cole would have to deal with it. And that's kind of why I'm like, you seem really bratty here. I think because there's like no growth in Chelsea. I mean, that's not true. There is growth in Chelsea. That's not fair of me to say that there's no growth. But I don't think she's necessarily worked on a lot of these like real issues that she has. Um, so Chelsea has decided that instead of getting a house in South Dakota, in Sioux Falls, where she lives, she wants to move. Uh, she is like fully in peak 20, 21 year old. I have to make a geography and change in order to solve my problems. I have so been there. Um, when I was 21 ish, might've been 22, but when I was like 21 or 22, uh, my best friend had moved to Israel and became religious. And I like knew I had to get away from my boyfriend. I like didn't know how to get away from him. I had just signed a year long lease on a place like I think in May or June And this was like July, like I had just signed this lease and there's this organization that like pays to send you to Israel for a year. It's looking back on it, like I wouldn't do that today on like I beyond the fact that I don't want to be religious, (laughs) I wouldn't take money from this organization, but I didn't really know about that back then. And I, she like got me set up with it because she really wanted me to come. I had went and visited her and I just found it to be really like relaxing and easy to be there and I wanted to get away from my boyfriend and I knew I had all these problems that like I didn't know how to fix and so I had like like a plane ticket to Israel bought like I was going to Israel for a year and my dad was like what the fuck you have a lease and I couldn't get out of the lease and so I didn't go I don't honestly really remember like exactly how that went like telling my parents that my parents being like you can't go because you have this lease like I really don't I don't quite remember I was definitely still in school because my dad was paying my rent and like and he was like no you can't do that um I had this really cute little studio apartment that is probably like truly double the price now based on its location it was such a little great place and I mean honestly I ended up going to rehab like two years after that. Like, I was not far off from rehab at this point in my life. And really, going to Israel wouldn't have fixed my problem because I never would have became religious. Like, I just, I know myself now. I know I wouldn't have become religious. But I was like, what I was looking for was, like, to stop being a drug addict (laughs) and, like, to get out of an abusive relationship. And I just didn't know how to do it. And so I wanted to, like, run away from where I was. And in the long run, like, I mean... I am glad that I didn't do that um, because I don't think it would have solved my problems. But I do sometimes think like, 
I wonder what would have happened if I had done that. Like if that would have just stopped me for a little bit, if I really would have found a solution through that. Um, because like my friend that went and she's so religious, although not as religious as she was then, uh, she really like for her, it was kind of like, are you going to go to rehab? Or are you going to like go to Israel and become religious? And she went on the religious track and there were a lot of girls at her, it's called a seminary, at her seminary who had like very similar life paths. And for her, it worked, but for a lot of people didn't, including like her little sister that she got to come over and was there for, I think two years. It didn't fucking fix shit for her. (laughs) It did not fix shit for her little sister. And I kind of think it wouldn't have fixed shit for me. Uh, I had to learn that like moving was not the solution. Although it is funny because like in the end, moving is what really helped me, but it had to be under the right circumstances. Like moving across the world, I don't, I don't think would have been my solution because I still could have drank there. I wouldn't really have as access to as many drugs, um, especially at that time. It was like really hard to get weed in Israel. Um, I don't, I'm, I don't know if it still is, but especially like in Jerusalem where I would have been, it's easier in Tel Aviv to get drugs. But like in Jerusalem, I don't know. And I wouldn't have like known people to get drugs from because I would have been with the religious people. And like I said, like a lot of people there drank, but it was definitely not an environment of partying. But I had to go to rehab and then I had to move to Florida to go to more rehab and then I had to move into a halfway house and that ended up being the solution. And like, I I do sometimes wonder if like going to Israel would have like solved or saved me from some pain, but like, I don't really think so. I'm not so sure it's my sliding doors moment. You know, like I look back at that and I'm, I'm not like if I had went to Israel, I think everything would have been different. Do you know what Sliding Doors is? The movie with Gwyneth Paltrow in which it's like a two timeline movie. And in one of them, she makes the tube because she's in London and has a British accent in this movie. In one of them, she like is running to catch the subway and she's able to like jump on the train and that like follows her whole life. She gets fired from her job and she like goes home she finds her boyfriend cheating on her and so she makes like a million life changes and cuts her hair short (laughs) that's like the defining factor of that timeline she has short hair um on the other one she misses the tube the door slides shut on her and so she can't get on and she kind of just lives like this bleak life for the rest of the movie so you know it's a sliding doors moment i'm sure most of you know that but i don't really look back at Israel's like being my sliding doors moment but I do sometimes wonder like what would be different and like I get what Chelsea's doing Chelsea's like everywhere I go I see Adam everybody wants to talk to me about Adam and I'm like I don't know how true that is that everywhere she goes she sees Adam but I do understand I think that this is probably the first time Chelsea's starting to feel real desire to get away from Adam would be my guess. Like, I think that up until this point, any separation she's ever had from Adam has always been because of Adam, not because of her. And do I think that she still wants to be with Adam at this point in time? Yes. The way that a victim wants to be with her abuser, right? Like, I I don't think she's, like, totally ready to separate from Adam. And I think when Adam gives her attention, she still let's you know like she's still into it I mean we know that she sleeps with Adam when Taylor's pregnant right 
But I do think at this point in her life, she is starting to feel like she wants to break up with Adam for good. Um, And she isn't quite sure how to do it. So, like, what her solution is, like, I should just move away from here. And in reality, that probably wouldn't have worked because, like, all it would have taken, took, all it would have took, I was like, take? (laughs) Oh, my God, I'm so dumb. All it would have took was Adam texting her one single time and being like, I miss you so much. Will you come home? And then she'd be like in a long distance relationship from where she was because I, I've been there. That's relatable to me. But her mom is like, what do you mean you want to move? Like you're in school. And she goes, I want to go to school somewhere else. And her mom is like, you're out of your mind. Uh, Chelsea has a haircutting test at school in which she has to cut a mannequin's hair and she does well. She gets a 90. I'm proud of her. She goes to look at a, a townhouse and she doesn't like it. Although I did, they did say that the rent is one thousand or eleven fifty, and I think they said it was three bedrooms. Whew! God, could you imagine eleven fifty for three bedrooms? Oh my god! Oh my god! Uh, add like another fifteen hundred onto that for me in my area. Chelsea keeps saying like, "Do I like it? Do I like it?" Her mom and her friend are like, "Yeah, it's so nice." But she really doesn't like it. So she calls her dad and she's like, you know what? Honestly, like, I don't think I'm going to like any of these places because I don't want to live here. And her dad is like, what? (laughs) He's like, come again. And she's like, I just don't want to live here. I don't want to sign a year long lease because I want to move. And he's like, Chelsea, what the fuck are you talking about? You're in school. You have one year of school. And then you can move wherever you want with your license. And she's like, I want to go to school somewhere else. And Randy's like, this this doesn't make any sense. And she goes, you know what, Dad? It makes a lot of sense. A lot of people go away for school. It's called transferring. You can transfer hours. And then she starts sobbing. <laughs> Randy is like, I, Chelsea, no, that doesn't make any sense. It just doesn't make any sense. And she starts screaming, Oh my God, why are you being such a jerk? And he's like, I'm not being a jerk. I'm like, try and be realistic. Why would you move away from here when you have all of the help with Aubrey? You have, he's like, you're already in a school. You like this school. You have help with Aubrey. Like, it doesn't make any sense that you would move away. And she's like, I can do it. I don't need the help. People do it. Okay. And it's like, Charles, girly. You need the help. You really need the help. And I mean, what she's doing is she's crying because she knows Randy's right. And she knows that moving is not actually a realistic situation. She's just crying and she says she's really frustrated. And then she says the most insightful thing I've ever heard Chelsea say to this day. I swear to God. She said, you know, I'm just really upset and I'm frustrated and I'm tired. And I went from having almost nothing on my plate. And now I have a bunch of stuff on my plate. And I was like, wow, look at that self-awareness. Look at that self-awareness, because that is obviously exactly what's going on. She went from her only thing that she had to do is take care of Aubrey. I mean, we know she didn't really study for those GED tests, and they took her a million years to do anyway. Like, she went from really having nothing that she had to do. And now she is in school full time. She has to get Aubrey to daycare and get Aubrey to her parents. And now she has to move again. And that's a lot for her. And I actually felt a lot of empathy for her in that moment because she was like actually 
experiencing probably for the first time in her life real responsibility and like the crushing weight of it. I don't want to say she didn't have real responsibility with raising Aubrey. That's not what I mean. Like, she had one of the biggest responsibilities in this world, which is raising a child. But I've always said I think Chelsea really naturally took to mothering. There is never a moment in which Chelsea was not being Aubrey's full-time, 100% parent. But, but she did that with full financial support from her parents, unlimited babysitting whenever she needed, Getting to live in her own house from the time Chelsea was a little baby with all of her rent and bills paid. Like, she has gotten to play house, essentially, with Aubrey, right? Like, she kind of got the best of both worlds in that she got to be a mom and a stay-at-home mom, which she loved. But she also didn't have to worry about the bills or anything related to being a stay-at-home mom, especially a teenage stay-at-home mom, especially, like, in comparison to someone like Kale, Right. And even Leah. But Leah's a little different because she's always had like the fathers of her children around and she was paying for her own stuff. But I don't know. Leah's Leah's just different than Chelsea. She's just she just is. But I think the good comparison is like Kalen, who just has had a constant struggle since Isaac's been born. And I'm not saying she reacts well to it because she doesn't, as we'll see in this episode. But when it comes to Chelsea, she's never had real, real responsibilities. And I think that like feeling the weight of that, I actually, I feel for her because in a way it's not her fault. It's because her parents have raised a spoiled fucking brat. And then like the reason that you don't raise spoiled brats is because they get into adulthood and they don't know how to do shit right? Like, they just don't know how to do anything. And I don't know, like, even though I was pretty spoiled, like, I always had jobs in the summer. I always went to school. And if I wasn't in school, I was working full time, like, around this age when I was, like, dropping out of school and stuff. Like, I worked 45 hours plus a week serving tables. Like, I never... I never, like, didn't work or go to school. And so, like, at least I've always known how to, like, hold a job. And I think for Chelsea, like, I would imagine at 20 or 21, it's like very hard to feel the responsibility of life for the first time in your life. Like that, that's a hard position to be in. So you know what? To that I say, I get it, Chelsea. Um, she, the next episode, she finds a place that she likes. And so she's feeling a little better. And I think she's just like, calm down. It's a little twin home. She's happy about it. She's going to sign the lease. Uh, she has to do her first in-person, like, styling on a person at school. And she's going to do an updo, which she doesn't know how to do. And it's, like, kind of cute watching her do it. Although she's talking in her full baby voice. And I don't know why a teacher didn't pull her aside and is like, hey, you did a really great job. But, like, you shouldn't talk like that. Stop whining. <laughs> Uh, the episode ends with her going to see Megan, her series, her series, her season one friend, Megan, who, remember, she has that iconic moment with in which Adam kicks Megan out of Megan and Chelsea's house. And then Chelsea makes Megan apologize to her for it. <laughs> Classic. Megan had a baby, remember, and Chelsea kind of fell out with her. There were a million rumors at the time that Megan did it hoping to get her own show. Megan was like 
kind of doing like paparazzi pictures at the time. But at this point, I think her and Charles are talking again. And it's so weird. Like Aubrey's there, but Megan's baby isn't. And Chelsea's like, how's your young child? (laughs) She says the baby's good. Her boyfriend is good. And then Megan goes, so I saw that ADAM has a girlfriend. And Chelsea's like, oh, what? He what? And she's like, we just hooked up. And I'm like, well, did you just hook up or did you hook up with a full month ago? (laughs) Because you hooked up long enough that you've gotten a period since then, like long enough ago that you've gotten a period. And when we first started hearing about it, it was already like a week in the past. I think it's been at least six weeks since she's hooked up with him. But, you know, and Megan goes, what? And Chelsea, once again, because I think that this is what she wanted. She's like, and I wasn't on birth control and we didn't use condoms and I thought I was pregnant. But don't worry, I'm like back on birth control now. I'm like, oh, my God. Every single person, every person that she has talked to sleeping with Adam about, she goes, and we didn't use condoms and I wasn't on birth control. Chelsea's lack of shame around Adam, I find really intriguing because I was in a similar relationship at this exact age. I wouldn't have been telling anybody that I would have been like, no, I was about to say my ex-boyfriend's name. I don't know if I've said it on here, but I'd be like him. I haven't seen him. I mean, this guy was living with me for years and nobody even knew we were together because like I had such an amount of shame around it and I was so embarrassed to tell people. And the fact that Chelsea, every single person she comes in contact with, she's like, so I fucked Adam and we didn't wear condoms and I was not on birth control. <laughs> it's just so weird to me. Uh, then Chelsea asks Megan if Megan thinks she's the R word for sleeping with Adam, in which I did, like, a full-body cringe. It's always so weird to watch stuff from around this time period where, like, that word is still being said on TV. Um, By that point, it was already long out of my vocabulary because in high school, my best friend, who the one that went to Israel, uh, worked at a camp with people with developmental disabilities, and anytime I said the R word, she would snap at me um, when I was like 15. And so that was like eradicated from my language at a much earlier age than most of my friends. Very grateful for her for that because it's not a nice word. I do not want to hear it. I do not want to say it. And I'm glad I got out of the habit of saying it very young. But like hearing Chelsea said it, I was like, woo, woo. Remember when they had Maddie on Euphoria say it this season? <laughs> Ooh. Uh, okay, so... Megan says a little bit. <laughs> the episode ends with Chelsea. Oh, I know I said it was Megan, but I forgot about this. The episode actually ends with Chelsea getting a letter from Adam in which he has written to the court asking them to move the custody case to a new county because that's the county they both live in. And Chelsea's supposed to sign it and send it back to Adam. And I guess he'll submit it to a judge. And she called her dad and her dad's like, what? Don't fucking sign that. And she's like, I'm not fucking signing anything. And this is when, once again, like, you can tell she's really starting to kind of, like, move on from Adam, or at least want to move on from Adam, because Chelsea Grace is over, and Chelsea's like, over my dead fucking body is he getting any custody of Aubrey? And I was like, good, good. All right, I we have to take a break. It's a little late in the episode, whoopsies, but we'll be right back. Okay, let's talk Leah, who, (laughs) oh, Leah, 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 
she's like, I'm going to ask Jeremy to give me his ring back. <laughs> you are a fucking mess. It is nutty watching her bounce back and forth like this. It's wild. So she says it's obvious that Corey didn't want her. And so Jeremy's coming over and she's going to say sorry. And this is what she says. I want to tell you I'm sorry for everything I've done. And, like, I know it wasn't fair to bring you into a situation like this. And I know you care about me and the girls. And, in my opinion, care about us more than anyone else ever has. To which I say, huh? And the girls more than anybody else? More than their daddy? You care about them more than their dad does? Is is that what you're saying? God, Leah, it's so fucked up to say shit like that. She says she regrets breaking up with him. And Jeremy is like, you know, I just hated being away from those girls. And I hated not sleeping in my bed next to you. And she's like, so can I have my ring back? <laughs> and Jeremy's like, yeah, I've had it in my truck this whole time. And he pulls it out of his pocket and gives it to her. A.K.A. they clearly already made up the text message. Clearly, or maybe even in person. And she's like, MTV says we got to refilm this. Can you come over? <laughs> oh, gosh. So they're fully back together. They're fully engaged again. And, you know, Leah is just, she goes to talk to Victoria. She seems so fucked up. I think Victoria and Leah do drugs together. Hot take over here. But I, I think that's true. I mean, maybe they're just stoned in this scene. But Leah's fucked up. And I noticed a pattern of Leah being effective around Victoria. But Leah is like, you know, I just I just want to be with Jerem. He's the only person who's ever loved me. <laughs> and she's like, you know, it's obviously not ideal. Like, I want the girls to be with their dad, but it's just not going to work. And I'm like, well, that's good at least. Um, Corey talks to his dad and basically is like, yeah, it's fully done. She's back with Jeremy. And Jeff is so over it. He's like, good because this is ridiculous. You two have to stop doing this. Uh, so Leah is ready to move. And to that I said, did she not just move into this house less than two months ago? What is the timeline on this season? <laughs> because what? Did she just sign a month to month? Do these girls sign leases? Like, what the fuck? And she says she wants to buy a house. So in the second episode, she lets us know she's feeling overwhelmed buying a house and planning a wedding so she goes over to her mom's house and her mom is going to help her plan the wedding there is a scene in which they're talking about uh the girls like not sleeping well the night before and leah's exhausted and she lets Aaliyah have some coffee <laughs> which whatever it's probably not the end of the world i just found it a classic leah and dawn scene in which the girls are drinking or eating something they probably should not be so they want to get married in Myrtle's Myrtle's Beach, Myrtle Beach, and Dawn has found a wedding planner at Lover's Lane, Myrtle Beach. <laughs> and they call and talk to her, and the lady's like, well, it's not on the beach, but my husband and I have built a fabulous set that looks like the beach. And they're looking at it online. <laughs> it's the ugliest fucking thing I've ever seen. <laughs> it looks so fucking bad. Oh my god. I could not stop laughing. It I mean, that is where they get married, I'm pretty sure, because they definitely get married in Myrtle Beach. I remember their wedding. I guess it's at the end of this season, right? Because when we come back 
next season she's had Addie and they get married before they have Ad- I mean actually technically they like get married at the end of this episode but they have the wedding before they have Addie <laughs> it is so fucking tacky it is so perfectly Leah Dawn is like that's beautiful that's real beautiful Leah that's real beautiful and Leah's like I'm just overwhelmed I can't look for a house and plan a wedding and I'm like isn't that overwhelming I look I'm not saying planning a wedding isn't hard, but like how much of your time is spent looking for houses, you know, and how much of your time is really spent planning this wedding? Like she doesn't have a job, a traditional job, at least. The girls are at Corey's every single weekend. I'm pretty sure they're they're three days a week. It's a lot of time that she has with no responsibilities in which she can be planning a wedding. But I would fucking hate planning a wedding. I never want to plan a wedding. So I really don't blame her. Dawn offers to take charge of the wedding planning. And so she'll just do everything. And Leah looks a little hesitant. And Dawn goes, well, I won't make any decisions without asking you, Leah. (laughs) So Leah agrees so she can really, really focus on buying a house. Once again, I'm like, I don't think she's looking at houses when Jerem's not there. Maybe Jerem's on an extended leave at this point. Because, you know, he does, like, I'm pretty sure the way it works is he works these jobs for, like, two-ish months, maybe a little longer. And then the contract ends. And so he comes home for, like, four or six weeks at a time. And then he leaves again. Um, And while he's on contract, he's usually close enough that he's coming home, like, every weekend or every other weekend. So maybe he's just, like, home for a little bit. Uh, during this is this is an ongoing fight during their relationship that's how I know this and Leah just like I don't know she's looking rough in this episode is what I noticed she's real 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 thin she looks exhausted I am kind of wondering if uh, she's you know dabbling a little more she's starting to dabble a little more if you catch my drift so they put an offer in a house they find one they really like uh, except This is so weird. So they put in an offer. They go to the realtor's office to sign the offer. First of all, the girls are being so fucking bad. They're running all over the place. And I'm like, why do they have the girls with them? Like, why? Why didn't they just draw? Like, I understand sometimes you have to do what you have to do. But like, Leah has a 100 people in her life that she drops those girls off with, it seems like. So you can take them over to your mom or your sisters or your brothers for an hour and a half. I don't know. Maybe her family lives far from her at this point. I know West, I know people in West Virginia oftentimes will live like pretty far away from each other because it's pretty rural. So who really knows? Who really knows? But MTV was really not doing Leah any favors this episode with the girls looking bad and Leah trying to control them. Except, except we find out that they aren't approved for a mortgage and they can't get approved because they're not married. And I am confused. As somebody who's never bought a house before, don't you get a pre-approval before you put an offer in? Like, when you put an offer in, aren't you saying, like, I guaranteed have the money? I'm really, I'm very confused. I mean, I know then, like, you have to get the appraisal and that has to match and the inspection, blah, 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 for the mortgage to, like, come through. I'm not saying, like, that it's 100% guaranteed, but, like, do you put in an offer before you, like, have the pre-approval of the mortgage? Very, very confused by that. Oh, in this episode, we also see Allie meet with a new physical therapist, and they talk about it being the goal that Allie's going to get on her feet. 
is the way that they keep saying it. She's going to get up on her feet is what their goal is, a.k.a. for Allie to walk, which, you know, is great. Um, It is a little hard watching these episodes because, and this is obviously no fault to Leah or these physical therapists. Like, it was very hard for them to get a diagnosis for Allie. They were actively seeking a diagnosis at this point in time, as far as I know. So this isn't like a criticism, but it's definitely interesting to watch her work with physical Allie to work with physical therapists like before she has the diagnosis of muscular dystrophy because I have to wonder if like the physical or the occupational therapy would look different is that what it's called occupational therapy that doesn't seem right I know it's like OT PT and OT I don't know if it would look different if they knew like what her specific diagnosis was because that impacts her muscles and I don't know. I'm just definitely a little curious about that. They're hoping to have her walk by her third birthday. So she calls up Corey and she's like, here's the girl. The goal is to get Allie girl up on her feet and I need you to come to all of the appointments so that you know what to do when she's at your house, which I think is definitely makes total sense. I'm totally only aside with that. I'm like, yeah, I get it. I get it. I, I would want the same thing. My only thing is that like Leah clearly lives in a world in which jobs and like when you need to be at work is not a big part of her life. (laughs) We see this with Jeremy and like Corey's like they happen during the work week during the work day. Like I can't come every single week which is totally reasonable right like that is totally reasonable and Leah's like I mean I guess you could come once a month and it's like it's actually pretty good if he can come once a month you know like that's pretty good can you get the appointment like an early morning appointment or an afternoon appointment like he probably can't leave work for an 11 a.m appointment and I'm not saying like that Corey is always there at every point because we know that to not be true. We know that this has been an ongoing issue. I'm not like criticizing Leah for this, but I do think that Leah has never had very realistic expectations for other people in her life in regards to the way that they work and where they live. I mean, we literally see it this weekend as far as Jalen or this season as far as Jalen, right? Like he's like driving eight fucking hours from Augusta, Georgia, wherever he was living And he's going to get a transfer to an hour away from her because the job won't let him work from home. And he's like over the moon hyped because he's like, we're going to be able to see each other all the time. I'm not going to have to drive eight hours. And Leah's like, I just don't get it. I don't get how this is good. This doesn't solve anything. We'll still be long distance. We still won't be able to see each other all the time. I don't like this. And it's like, Leah, he has a job. He has a job that he has very little control over because I think it's with the army. (laughs) Like he's but as I said when we were watching this season it's very obvious that Jalen is the one that drives to her and she has never once driven to him because she's like what's the difference between eight hours and one hour and it's like everything bitch everything but I I think that this is from Leah like truly never having like real full-time jobs I know that I'm pretty sure she worked at McDonald's and that's where she was working when she met Corey and I know it's different because it's not out of a place of like privilege the way that Chelsea is. It's the fact that like she got pregnant very, very young and she had twins to raise and they always had a dad that worked. So she was kind of able to stay home and she just has never really had the full like 
knowledge of what it's like to go to work every single day and have to go to work every single day. So it comes out. I notice it always comes out. I too think that Corey needs to be there, but I also think that Leah needs an understanding of what it actually means to have a job. At the end of the episode, when they don't get approved for this mortgage, Jeremy's like, well, if the issue is that we're not married, because that's why they don't get approved, why don't we just go down to the courthouse and get married? And Leah's like, so just like legally, he's like, yeah, we can just get married. We can still have our wedding. And Leah's fine with it. But the thing is that she kind of wants to like act like they're not married, which I get. She's like, I want our anniversary to be the day that we get like have a wedding ceremony and have the wedding that we've been planning. He's like, yep, fine deal. That makes sense to me. So Jeremy and Leah are getting married about one minute after they get back together. <laughs> what a mess. Okay. Should we talk? I'm not sure. Both Janelle and Kale had really classic episodes. I think I'll go with Janelle, who is post-boob job, lets us know she hasn't seen Jace because she's been really busy working. Um, I was like, once again, like last week, I was like, what does she mean by working? And then I remembered, I can't believe I didn't remember this last week. Like, I I know I've talked about this being the Duffy era, era, the guy that she worked for, but I forgot that this was, like, when she was being his assistant. <laughs> so I guess that's what she's busy working on. Um, just funny anytime Janelle says she's busy working, because I'm like, I don't think you've ever really worked. <laughs> you know, I don't think that's an actual thing that you do. So it's post-surgery, and she lets us know Gary has been calling her again, She's fighting with Kiefer over it, and it's just not going well. Uh, She has her surgery, she feels like shit, and her mom is coming over to help her. And I just thought this was, like, such a classic Barb moment. There's a lot of really classic Barb and Janelle moments in this episode. In the first one, Barb comes, she rings the doorbell, nobody answers. And so she comes around the back of the house and comes in, walks right into Janelle's room, and is like, why didn't you answer the door? And, like, just starts screaming. Like, Janelle is like, one minute post-surgery. <laughs> it's like, Barb. I mean, yeah, why didn't Kiefer get up and answer the door? That's a good question. I have a similar question. But, like, it's just so classic Barb to come in and, like, start screaming at Janelle. And it's just like, is this necessary? Why are you doing this? This is just going to make this situation worse. Uh, Janelle lets us know that Kiefer isn't being very supportive. He's just being an asshole. And that she's been texting with Gary all day and she just doesn't want Kiefer to find out. So Janelle's like, I just, mom, I need you to stop. I need you to stop yelling. And Barb is like, so how are you? And Janelle says, I took a muscle relaxer they gave me, and I guess it relaxed all my muscles. (laughs) The doorbell rings. They're not sure who it is. And it's flowers for Janelle from Gary. Barb is like in another room talking to Janelle's roommate, Allison. And basically she's like, what the fuck is she doing with Kiefer? Gary is such a better guy. Oh my God. Gary sent her flowers. Kiefer's such a piece of shit. She says to Allison, please make sure that you're handling all the pills because Kiefer's going to steal them. Which literally as soon as I saw that, she, like that Kiefer is there post up, I was like, Ooh, he's going to take all her pills. So I'm glad Barb and I were on the same page with that. Barb comes back into the room and Janelle is like, mom, mom, Gar- Kiefer's not in there. And she's like, mom, Mom, Gary got me those flowers. <laughs> and Barbara's like, I know, I know. 
Kiefer then like goes up to Allison. He's like, what were you talking to Barb about? And Allison's like, nothing. He's like, you're talking about me. Huh? Huh? You're talking about me. <laughs> oh, Allison also t- told Barb that Kiefer doesn't work. He never leaves the house. And she has no idea why Janelle is with him. It's uh, days are running out for you, Keith. <laughs> Uh, Kiefer and Janelle get into a huge fight. Oh, wait, before that, Barb is letting Janelle know that Jace just the other night happened to turn around and say, where's Gary? I miss Gary. You know, Barb is like all in on Gary head. She loves Gary head. So Kiefer and Janelle get into a huge blowout over the Gary fights, the Gary fights, the Gary texts, and Janelle goes over to Barb's because she can't be there with Kiefer. And she kicks Kiefer out. Kiefer goes and meets a friend with his rolly suitcase. And it's like, I'm getting on a bus. I'm going back to New Jersey. He's like, fuck Janelle. She's such a bitch. She just, you know, wanted me to be her little rebound and wanted to use me and disrupt my life. And I'm like, Kiefer, please. You just got a two-week vacation in North Carolina in which you did drugs all day long. All day long. Thanks to Janelle. And you didn't have to be at your mom's house. Like, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> oh, gosh. He's such he's such a loser. Uh, Gary comes over to Barb's house to help her take care of Janelle. And Barb is over the moon happy. Gary comes back to Janelle's house with her. And basically, um, he's like, you know, it's okay. I forgive you for being with Kiefer, but he's such a loser. And he says, you know, Kiefer's like a grown-ass version of Jace. I knew you were just using him to piss me off. <laughs> Janelle's like, yeah, yeah. Like, all of this is happening while Janelle is, like, freshly out of surgery. She is so fucking high. She's, like, can barely move. She can't lift her arms up. (laughs) And she's, like, (laughs) breaking up with one boyfriend, getting back with another, (laughs) going to her mom's, coming back. Like, it's so funny how much is getting done post-surgery. Okay, so in the second episode, she's a week out from surgery and she is like feeling a lot better. She's back with Gary. Gary comes over. They're talking about her boobs and if he liked them before and if he liked them after. It's so weird. It's so weird to hear them like sit around and just talk about Janelle's boobs. And they're talking about Kiefer and Janelle or Gary's like, yeah, I'm glad he's in New Jersey because if he wasn't like and I saw him out in public, we would have a fight and I'd go to jail. And like, look, Here's something that I want to tell you. Don't be with a guy who says stuff like that. There's nothing. I mean, Gary's young, right? Like, Gary's 21 years old in this scene, I think. Like, he's young. But here's the thing. A guy might not hit you. But if you have a boyfriend that is, like, ready to fight at all times, there is a level of aggression there that is worrisome. And, of course, it's different when talking about if you're 21 and that's your boyfriend and if you're in your mid-30s. But I think some men never really grow out of this. Um, and, like, it, it's not surprising to me that Janelle says that this relationship ended in serious domestic violence. Because, like, if somebody is just, like, openly walking around and, like, casually talking about violence, but, like, he's being dead serious, you know? Like, it's not a joke. Like, he's like, I am going to fight Kiefer. I don't... It's just... I just, the older I get, the more I realize what a red flag that is in a way that, like, I did not realize when I was younger. And, I mean, thankfully, because I'm a grown-up, this doesn't really come up much in my life anymore. But there are men who just, like, never grow out of this. And I just find 
anybody who's like super into fighting for no reason to be worrisome and like somebody that's like well yeah we're gonna fight and I'm gonna go to jail like you should be more scared of jail than that (laughs) I don't know I just think it speaks to Gary's Gary Head's like anger that isn't always on the surface but I think is always there because like there's no reason for him to be talking about fighting Kiefer and Janelle you can tell Janelle's a little like She's like, ha ha yeah, like doing that thing she does, ha ha yeah, when she like doesn't know what to say and doesn't know how to not agree with her boyfriend. Gosh. So they have Barbara over for dinner. They have Barbara, Jace, Jace, and Mike over. Jace is just like over the moon to be with Kiefer, or excuse me, with Gary. Uh, they're all there talking shit about Kiefer and Mike's like, you know, I was a little aggravated that you were back with him and that he was here. And Barbara's like, he's such a loser. And Janelle's like, can we just stop talking about him? And I'm like, oh, Janelle already misses Kiefer. <laughs> I mean, I get it. It's weird to like have a long shit talk about your ex-boyfriend in front of your new boyfriend. But you can tell she was already. Well, also, it's like an insult on Janelle, too, when they're talking like that, because they're like, why would you let him back here? It sucks. It sucks to have everybody around telling you that. I definitely get that. So Gary cooks dinner. Everybody's super happy. And everybody is like just on cloud nine with Janelle and Gary and Barb thinks when Gary is in the picture that Janelle is going to be perfect. So the next scene, Janelle is over at Barb's house. And I guess the plan, they don't really explain it in clear detail. But from what I can understand... Janelle is going to spend the night over at Barb's and then watch Jace the next day while Barb is at work. There's nobody else to watch Jace. So Jace is having, like, Barbara's saying, like, you know, he destroys the house all day, so just make sure you're picking up after him. And they're kind of just, like, talking about what Janelle needs to do. And Jace doesn't want to eat and is just demanding a bottle. Jace is, like, two and a half here, I think. Maybe about to turn three. And... Janelle's like don't give him the bottle and Barb is like he wants the bottle I only have one bottle I can't find the bottle so Barb is like walking around the house she can't find it and she's like Janelle Janelle's just like texting on her phone she's like Janelle could you get up and help me find the bottle and Janelle's like no you shouldn't give him a fucking bottle I'm not gonna help you find it and like is Janelle right that Jay shouldn't get a bottle like I don't know probably but this is what you want to pick a fight over, Janelle? And, the, like, Janelle's just as guilty as this, like, picking fights over nothing thing as Barbara is. But obviously, it's like she learned it from Barbara. So Barbara's, in my opinion, a little more responsible for it. And Barbara's like, okay, if you're not going to help me look at it, will you go give the baby a bath? And Janelle's like, fine, fine. She goes in there and she calls Gary and she's like, I'm so fucking mad at my mom. I hate my mom. And you know what? I'm just going to go and have my friends come pick me up. And Gary's like, what? What do you mean you're going to have your friend? He's like, no, no, you have to stay there with Jace. You're watching Jace. And Janelle's like, I'm not leaving. I'm going for 30 minutes to hang out with my friends to Gary. Basically, she wants to go smoke pot with her friends, right? Like, (laughs) could you make it? I'm going for 30 minutes to see my friends. Like, I wonder why she wasn't just saying I'm gonna go smoke with my friends I feel like we're at the point where she's just openly saying it at this point Gary's like what the fuck like Gary's upset you can tell Gary's upset and Janelle's screaming at Gary so Barbara comes in and she's like what do you mean you're gonna go hang out with your friends like you need to babysit and this is when Janelle is screaming again like I'm just going for 30 minutes 
I'm not going to be far away from him. I'm coming back. And Barb is like, girl, what the fuck? You can't go and get high and come back here. She's like, what are you talking about? And Barb is 100% right in this fight, obviously. Janelle is the one that picked this from the beginning. Usually I can, like, really see Barb, like, picking at Janelle. But she really wasn't in this scene. She really wasn't. This is, like, full-blown. Janelle wanted to be able to go smoke pot. And so she, like, decided to pick a fight over nothing. So, of course, Barb is all upset. And also, she's walking around because she can't find the bottle. And if Jace doesn't get the bottle, he's going to have, like, a meltdown. So they have to, like, go get another bottle. So she's, like, picking up her purse. She's screaming. You can't get high and come back here. You're such a piece of shit. You know, I need you to babysit tomorrow. Once again, I'm like, why? I mean, I guess maybe Janelle can't drive at this point because of her boob job. Maybe she's, like, still not cleared or, like, still in too much pain to drive, but then how would she be watching Jace all day? Because I'm like, on what planet was it a good idea for Janelle to, like, spend the night at Barb's? Like, of course they were going to have a blow-up fight. They Have they ever not had a blow-up fight in this type of situation? She should have just came over that morning right before Barb left for work. Maybe Barb had, like, a 5 a.m. shift. I don't know. But Barb is, of course, like, all wound the fuck up, and she's like, you're such a piece of shit. If you leave now, I have to take Jace with me to go get the bottle. Because that's another thing. Barbara's like, I'll go get a bottle. Janelle will be here. But now she has to bring Jace with her. It's like bedtime. Barb is scre- like screaming, like just losing her mind. And she starts crying, which is kind of rare for Barb. She doesn't cry that much. And Janelle is like, stop fucking crying. Stop crying. Why the fuck are you crying? Like Janelle's... Janelle is not in her, I'm really upset that you're yelling at me and I feel really hurt and I'm just a small child that needs healing. Uh, No, Janelle's in her like, fuck you, you're a fucking bitch yelling at her mom mood because she has those both of those, you know, she has the two of them where she's just like hurt and she's like, please stop, please stop. And then she has the ones where she's like, oh, you've asked for it, Barbara, Um, even though Janelle started this whole thing. And Barbara's like, I'm crying because you're so fucking irresponsible. And I actually really felt for Barbara in that moment because, like, I don't think she, like, meant to cry. I think she got herself very worked up, understandably, and is genuinely hurt and upset. And Janelle goes, (laughs) and when I cry because I want custody of my son, it doesn't matter. And I'm like, girly, what? (laughs) Why would you bring that up? You're leaving Jace to go smoke pot. What are you talking about? What are you talking about right now? And Barbara's like, you think you're gonna get fucking custody? Like screaming. This is a classic Barbara and Janelle fight. I'm actually kind of surprised they didn't physically fight, honestly. And of course, Jace is standing right there for this whole thing. Because why why would they not be having this screaming fight, like directly in Jace's face? You know, but... I can't think of a more appropriate time for them to have this. Janelle is like on her way out and she's like, I'm leaving. I'm leaving. And Barbara's like, but I needed you to babysit. What the fuck am I going to do tomorrow? And Janelle turns around and goes, and I needed you to be my mother and to be my son's grandmother. Okay. (laughs) Janelle. That part does make me sad because I I do believe, I'm not like excusing Janelle's behavior, but I really do believe that she's like this because she 
grew up in a home where her dad was beating the shit out of her mom and her mom was not giving her the type of love that she needed. And I do think that Janelle has like serious, serious, serious inner child issues. And when they get into these fights and she's just screaming, like, I want you to be my mom. Like, that's sad to me. That's really sad to me. But it also doesn't excuse, like, anything Janelle is doing in this scene. I just find it sad. And when she says, like, and to be a grandmother to my son, she's just saying it to piss off Barb, which works. Because Barb is like, I've been taking care of him since he was six weeks old. And then I'm like. I think you've been taking care of him since he was a day old. But I guess she means with custody because Janelle never took care of that baby. Ever, ever. This is when Janelle screams back. I was laughing so fucking hard at this. She says, shut the fuck up. How many times have I heard that? Be original, mom. Come up with something original. (laughs) That's such a funny thing to say to someone who is like coming at you with like a very legitimate criticism and like a very legitimate attack for you to just be like uh right be original bitch like yeah 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 I'm a bad mother you've had custody of my son since he was six weeks old I'm going to get high I'm a piece of shit yeah 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 be original come up with a better insult like that's so fucking funny to me it's such a, it's just such a wild thing to like throw out like be original (laughs) oh so 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 funny so the next day because janelle is gone barb calls gary (laughs) and asks gary to come get jace (laughs) barb loves gary barb wants to marry gary head herself (laughs) i mean you can see why right like especially compared to kiefer Like, that weirdo Josh and Andrew. Like, this is truly, like, Gary Head is, I mean, he's actually not because of the things that he ends up doing. But in Barb's eyes, Gary Head is, like, the absolute best case scenario for a boyfriend Janelle could ever have. Like, she trusts him enough. And should she trust him this much? I don't know. But she trusts him enough that she, like, has him come pick up Jace, bring Jace to Janelle's house. Also, like, LOL. That Barb the next day is to, like, bring him over to Janelle's after they have, like, this blow-up fight. She knows Janelle's going to be high there. It's just, this is, like, where Barbara always loses me because, yes, I understand Barb needs somebody to watch Jace. I'm not saying that she doesn't. But, like, this is such classic Barb that, like, she has this blow-up where she tells Janelle, like, you're a fucking piece of shit. You're a drug addict loser. Fuck you. Get the fuck out of my house. And then the next day she's like, so you going to watch Jace today, Janelle? Like... Oh, gosh. These two have no boundaries whatsoever. So, Gary brings Bar or Jace over to Janelle's. And Janelle's like, I'm surprised she let you take him. That means she really trusts you. <laughs> and, like, she's in a great mood. I'm like, these people are unhinged. Like, this is in- fucking insane. So, at the end of the episode, they bring Jace back to Barbara's. And Janelle starts going in she's like you know it's you in this weed you make me sick i can't stand it you're smoking too much weed she says you're gaining weight Uh, janelle's like a hundred pounds in this episode my jaw dropped when she said that i was like janelle's not gaining weight in any way shape or form what the fuck is she talking about but she's like you're gaining weight you're sitting around you're getting high 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 (laughs) 
just classic Barb. And Janelle's like, I'm leaving. I'm leaving. I'm leaving. Which, like, I do think Janelle leaving when Barb starts to go in. Like, that is the right thing to do, right? Like, the two of them screaming is not doesn't help anybody uh i do like i think when janelle de-escalates it by leaving that's always the right choice and gary i left i was cracking up gary goes all right bye barb talk to you later (laughs) call me if you need me (laughs) janelle's screaming barbara's screaming gary's like okay bye (laughs) this is how you know gary head is not shit Because, like, why are you fucking around with Janelle in the first place, right? Like, you supposedly have, like, this great life and career and you're with Janelle Evans. Two, you're listening to these two women scream at each other and you are deeply comfortable. Like, that's not right. Something's not right there. I just, this second episode I found so funny when, like, Janelle screaming, be original at Barb. Oh, I love it. Just kind of, I love like a classic Barb and Janelle blowout. Unfortunately, I really do. All right, let's go to the other domestic violence situation in this episode, because I do consider what's going on with Barb and Janelle to be domestic violence, like especially in regards to Jace. Like, well, first of all, it is. I mean, they've hit each other, right? Like we know Janelle's gone after Barb and Barb has gone after Janelle. So we know they hit each other. So like, they physically fight not often but they have but like the way that they scream at each other is so unhealthy for jace it's honestly extremely upsetting okay so kale lets us know that things are going great with javi so she's gonna ask him to move in he's already there every single day anyway except he doesn't pay bills and so kale tells her friend she's gonna get resentful of javi not paying bills so he might as well move in what (laughs) her friend goes are you gonna tell joe and she goes no, I'm not telling Joe. And her friend is like, well, what if Joe finds out? And she goes, he can't do anything. He moved to New Jersey. And it's just the hypocrisy of Kale, who is so flipped out at the idea of V even seeing Isaac, that she's trying to go to get, go to court to get Isaac, like, totally banned from being allowed to see V. And then she is moving Javi into the house with Isaac. And she's like, Uh, Joe should have nothing to say. Fuck Joe. Why would he have anything to say about it? (laughs) The hypocrisy is unfucking real It's unreal. Kale's so lucky that Joe was her first baby father. Look, Joe is an asshole. A lot, especially in these early seasons. I'm not saying Joe is some sort of saint, but the fact that she doesn't have, like, that he's not more bitter and litigious she's very lucky because another person would turn around and be like, "Ah, you think you're going to live with your boyfriend? That's funny. That's ha 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 funny. We're going to court, bitch. Like Joe doesn't do that. He doesn't do that because Joe is an asshole, but usually he's pretty reasonable. And I do think that's one of Joe's best attributes is that like, he does seem, he might get mad in the moment, right? Like the episode we saw where he was like, I'm going to let Isaac see your mom no matter what. But then when he steps back and he's able to think about it, he's usually able to be pretty reasonable and have a perspective on things that Kale will probably never be capable capable of. Uh, so she invites Javi to move in and they decide that they're going to split the bills uh, with Kale paying rent and Javi paying for groceries and utilities, which, you know, seems like a good split. Uh 
one thing I thought was interesting is Javi brings all his stuff and he goes, so are any of these drawers open? And she goes, mm, there's a little bit of room in this one drawer. She's like, and you can use the closet. And he's like, where all your clothes are hanging. And she's like, well, um, <laughs> she didn't make any room for Javi to move in, which I know is a little thing, but I do think it like really speaks to Kale in general, right? In which like, She's letting Javi move into her house. This is her house, her life. Javi is a visitor. Javi is a tourist. She's not going to, like, make any concessions to her lifestyle, to her life. And Javi just has to, like, squeeze in where he can. And I think that is how she treats most relationships and how she still treats them. So in the second episode, basically, Kale has two huge dogs one is a Rottweiler and the other one looks like a mutt. They're very, very big. Remember, they live in a townhouse. These dogs are very big. And Kale says to Javi, like, can you take the dogs out? My friends are coming over, which I think is a reasonable suggestion. Except then I realize she's not really asking Javi to, like, take the dogs out. She's asking Javi to put the dogs outside, like, for a while, while her friends are over, which, like, obviously makes sense, right? Because there are these two huge dogs. The house is pretty small. Um... And Javi's like, no, I can't because um, there's a hole in the fence and we can't put them outside because they're going to get out, which, okay, fair counterbalance. So instead of like being like, okay, well then could you at least like take them upstairs in the bedroom while my friends are here? I know it's kind of annoying, but like, could you just have them lay down and watch, like hang out with you? Like I, there's no other, Javi's just like, no, I'm not fucking taking them outside and like stomps up the stairs and Kale's like, okay. So Kale's two friends and their kids come over. And one of the girls is like knocked over by one of the dogs, is screaming, crying. She's the mom's like, she's really afraid of dogs, which like, this is like an 18 month old baby. Like this is a baby. The dogs are like eight times her size. Right. And Kale's like, ah, Javi. And she's like, so fucking mad because this is why she wanted Javi to take out the dogs. So she storms up the stairs because Javi's upstairs. And as she's going upstairs, she's like, I'm going to knock him the fuck out. And I was like, ooh, 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 ooh. So she goes in the room and she's like, Javi, there's two babies downstairs and the dogs are knocking them over. And Javi's like, well, too bad. They live here. We have dogs. Javi's being an asshole. Uh, like, they, I think they must have been fighting earlier that day because it just escalates like, the fight that they have over it initially, like, they already seem mad at each other. And Javi has, like, I don't know. If they're going to be, I'd be, like, the, there's solutions here, right? Like, you put the dogs in another room. You lock them, like, you get a gate in the kitchen. You put them in there. Javi takes them out on, like, an hour-long walk while her friends are there. And so the baby can get, like, adjusted to being at the house. Like, there are solutions that neither one of them seem willing to make. But Kale is so hyped she's so 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 next level also it's really wild like kale doesn't care that like two of her friends and their children are there while she's having this fight like she's like i'm gonna beat the shit out of him as she like runs up the stairs while her friends are there and i'm like that's embarrassing <laughs> i'm at like i know her friends are sitting there like okay <laughs> And one is Gigi, who she's very close with, but she doesn't seem to really know the other girl. By the way, the other girl is in, like, 
full glam like full full glam the longest eyelashes you've ever seen she's like i'm gonna be on mtv baby like i'm filming a scene (laughs) and you know what i respect somebody who knows they're gonna be on camera and dresses to impress so javi is basically being like you know we have two dogs i don't know what to tell you and kale starts screaming i just want to punch you and walks towards him and takes Puts her two hands around his head and kind of pushes it like like you would push like basically like you would push someone out of the way like with two hands except her hands are kind of like grip I, I don't want to say grip it, it's not like she grabs him tightly but her hands are on the outside of his head and she pushes him and she's lucky he didn't hit the wall that he didn't fall down but like she puts her hands on him And the crazy thing is, and I think that this is very common with Kale, and this is what happens a lot to her. First, she's screaming, like, I fucking hate you. I fucking hate you. I fucking hate you. And then Javi's like, you just put your hands on me. I'm done. And starts, like, packing up his stuff. Immediately, Kale has come down from her anger, which is, in my opinion, very hard to watch. Um, There's something really sad watching someone who, like, goes to 100 and then crashes down immediately and, like... Because I I don't think that person wants to be that way, but, like, has zero idea how to stop themselves from being that way. I don't know. It's so bad that she hit, like, that she put her hands on him. I will say, when people online talk about this, they truly talk about it like she punched him in the face. So when I watch this, I'm like, that's not bad. But then I have to remember, like, it actually is bad. Like, don't, don't do that to people. I'm trying hard to, like, get rid of this thing in my mind where I'm like, well, she didn't punch him. Like, okay, but it's still not okay. Like, she could have hurt him. Like, if she pushed him a little harder, he could have went into the wall. And, I mean, she also, like, she could have started a physical fight. Like, she is lucky that Javi, who's probably much stronger than her, his reaction was not to hit back, right? Like, she's lucky that Javi didn't act reactively, is what I'm saying. And that, like, he stayed pretty calm, all things considered. And that this didn't escalate into, like, a really serious, like, physical, like, a physically violent episode in which the police come. And, like, this could have went so, so badly. So even though, like, Javi wasn't physically hurt in any way, like, it was still so bad. It, It also, like, she's willing to do it on camera. She's willing to do it in front of her friends. Have they physically fought like that before? Do they keep physically fighting? I think she does hit him again because she talks about it on the Team Mom reunion with Dr. Drew. Because that's around when she gets the bipolar diagnosis and says that's why she is, like, having these insane mood swings. And I really wish that she would talk to somebody about that again because I I really think some medication would make Kale's life a lot easier. Um, Javi, oh, Kale's... So she closes the door. She's crying, begging. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry, Javi. I'm so sorry. I didn't mean it. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And Javi is like, get the fuck away from me. And she's like, please, Javi, please, please, please. I was in the heat of the moment. I didn't need it. And Javi's like, you need to learn how to control yourself. And Kale goes, but we all know I have this issue. I have a temper. Oh, my God. It's so bad. It's so bad. So Kale comes back downstairs and she's like, we're breaking up. And her friends are like, what? And she's like, I fucking hit him. And Javi leaves. And like two minutes later, Kale's laughing about it with her friends. And Gigi says what I thought, where she's like, oh, I thought you punched him in the face. And Kale says, I almost did. And Kale's like, well, he's going to leave me. And Gigi's like, he's not going to leave you. And she's like, I shook his face, Gigi. 
it's not funny, but like the way they talk about it is kind of funny. It's just fucked up. It's so fucked up that like this was not, and it's sad to think that this was not like the serious wake up call for Kale to make some serious changes in her life. And that apparently like these situations just escalate, you know, and they continue to escalate. So Javi and Kale, I guess, like, make up because the next day they're going swimming with sharks. I have no fucking idea where they are in the Philadelphia greater area in which they're swimming with sharks. Like, what the fuck? They're at some sort of aquarium, but it doesn't look like the Candom Aquarium to me. Kale goes, Javi and I have been getting really along since we made up, since our fight yesterday. (laughs) Like, oh, my God. And afterwards, after they go swimming with sharks, uh, Kale's like, "Mm mm-hmm. I'm sorry that I shook your head. And he's like, it's okay. You know, I wasn't great either. And I'm like, oh my God. Kale says that she is going to do the anger management thing that the court has ordered her to do, which is good. She says she wants to try boxing, which I'm like, no, 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 no. Which I've talked about on here before that doing a physically aggressive, uh, activities don't actually make somebody less aggressive and angry. Don't do that. (laughs) Boxing doesn't help someone stop beating people. Um, Go look at how many boxers beat their wives. You know, like, it's just, go look at how many football players beat their wives. Like, when you are, it actually is the opposite in that it, like, it is fueling aggression because it's, like, pumping blood through your brain and giving you that same reaction as getting into a fight. It's not good. Not good. Which is probably why something like karate or whatever is a little better because at least it's not based on, like, adrenaline. It's based on, like, calm precise particular movements um and it's more in a way like meditative than like kickboxing or whatever where you're like your blood is flowing you're doing cardio not that like karate isn't an exercise but it's just a lot more controlled is what I'm saying but still I think if you have aggression issues you shouldn't do any type of aggressive behavior uh but Javi's like, you know, I just, I have to be better too. I have to handle these things better. And Kale goes, will you help me? Will you help me work on this? And I'm like, oh no. An abuser asking their abuse victim to help them work on their anger is no es bueno. It's just not good. It's really, it's really bad. Ugh. It, this is just so, I mean, besides the fact that like we literally witnessed domestic violence on television and that's obviously very hard to watch. It's so hard to watch, like, knowing what we know about Kale's future and knowing that this is not a wake-up call for her in any way. So on that note, (laughs) that's it for this week. Subscribe to my Patreon, patreon.com slash LizExplains. And we'll be back with more throwbacks next week. I'll talk to you then. Bye. This podcast is brought to you by Solid Listen Network. Find me on Instagram at feathers underscore pod.